0: Coming to you from the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, doing my part. This is Christopher Calloway for Creator Talks, a show where I interview writers and artists working in comic books and in other mediums, and not just writers and artists, no, editors as well. Joining me for this interview is Heather Antos. She is the senior editor of Valiant Comics, and the senior editor of such titles as Shadow Man and Exo Manowar. Yes, Heather has worked for such companies as Marvel Comics and Image Comics. What makes working for Valiant so great? You know, she was recently promoted from editor to senior editor, so we're going to talk about that promotion and how her role has changed. Heather had found the perfect career choice for her as an editor, but she felt she found that too late. And yet, she managed to break into the business. How did she do it? Well, we're gonna find out how she did that and how she has taken the power of Twitter and made it a force for good. And you're gonna find out just what I mean by that. Now, one might expect with the COVID-19 pandemic, delaying the shipments of new comic books, that Heather wouldn't really have anything to do as editor. Oh, contraire, she has plenty of work to do. She's gonna tell us just how she's keeping herself busy with work And what she's doing around the house to keep herself busy as well and sane as we all are trying to keep our wits about us during this pandemic in the world of comics we also talk about a few important things she looks for as an editor as it relates to storytelling and take a deeper dive behind the new creative teams on the relaunch of shadow man and exo manowar plus i ask heather all the fun questions i ask all my guests And now, without further ado, my guest this week, Heather Antos, Senior Editor at Valiant Comics, here now on Creator Talks. Heather, welcome to Creator Talks.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: How are you doing? At this time, it is April. It's the middle of the month. It's supposed to be tax day, but it's not because of COVID-19. And we're not all in the office right now. Those of us who are working are working from home. And some people might say, "Ah, oh, you're putting your feet up. You're waiting to get back to work. Not so. What are you doing for work at home and to pass the time just to get through all this?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, as I've been saying to friends, Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch could not have launched at a better time. <laughs> <laughs> It's a game where it's just going outside and traveling to other islands and meeting your friends. So, you know, when you can't leave your home, you can at least do that.
0: (laughs) Ah, technology. And you're still fairly busy.
1: I've been good. It's funny. I've been looking at adopting a dog for a few months now, um, but it's been difficult, you know, commuting to the city back and forth all the time. It's hard to do that transition period. And literally the week I started working from home and saw this was going to be the foreseeable future, I was like, all right this week, adopting a puppy. And it happened. And so I've actually been quite busy.
0: (laughs) Now, what kind of dog is it?
1: So she's a rescue. Um, We know for sure she's a lab mix. And Mm -hmm. we think the other half is golden
0: retriever. Oh, they're very friendly. Very nice dog.
1: Yeah, she's very, very sweet. Super smart. And sleeping on my couch right now.
0: I had a dog at that once. He was a golden retriever lab mix. Very Mm -hmm. nice. Very nice. Good personality. Yeah. Good temperament. Oh, for sure. First, I want to say congratulations. You are now the senior editor at Valiant. You were editor and you got a promotion back in March.
1: I did. Yeah. Um. Just in time for all the chaos. <laughs> 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 I tell you what, there's nothing quite as interesting as going through a senior promotion in the middle of a global pandemic.
0: <laughs> You're now the captain. The ship's going down by... <laughs>
1: No, that's kind of like, I mean, it's not that I have a a fantastic team at Valiant, but um, yeah, I got promoted. And so I'm doing, you know, not only my promotion transition, but Robert Myers, who was my boss, he just left. Uh, He moved across the country, actually, to be closer to family. And so he just left. So I'm doing that transition of responsibilities on top of, well, now you're working from home and it's a global pandemic. Bye. Have fun. (laughs)
0: But you're doing okay. Yes. Let's go back a bit and talk about how you got into this. Now, you are an editor, a story consultant, in addition to being senior editor at Valiant. And editing has been a passion of yours. And interestingly, initially you felt, oh, geez, and I felt this way too when I was out of school. It's too late to get into something at that age. It's still too late because... For editors in comic companies, generally they take people as interns, unpaid for college credit. So to get in there after you've graduated is so much harder to do, but you figured out a way to do it. please share with the audience how you did it
1: yeah so a little backstory on me my whole life I like to say I was I was training to be a waitress as I like to say I know I was uh I studied I studied theater my entire life I studied film and I and I did that I worked professionally in theater and film all throughout college and my senior year of college I kind of Hit this wall in this moment of I just didn't enjoy it as much anymore. I wasn't as passionate about it. I didn't see that as the rest of my life. And quite honestly, it just wasn't a good fit personality wise. For anyone who knows me in real life, like I hate being the center of attention more than anything. (laughs) And that's all that is. I kind of just had this moment of panic where, you know, oh my God, I've just wasted the last 20 years of my life. What am I going to do? Meanwhile, i would always been a huge fan of writing. I've been drawing my entire life, a huge fan of comics and pop culture. And all throughout college, you know, I wrote for various entertainment sites covering comics and traveling to shows. And a friend one day said to me, he was just like, you like comics, just do that. And it had never crossed my mind up until that point that Oh, yeah, people get paid to do this, you know,
0: (laughs) get paid to do what you love to do,
1: right? Well, it's, you know, I come from a very traditional conservative Midwest town, and it's not like they have the writer of Batman coming to school on career day to explain, right, the comics community, like, that's just not a thing. And so when my friend Ryan told me that I really buckled down and I was like, I love this idea. Yes, let's figure out how to make this happen. And from there, it would just became like researching what jobs in the comics industry were, like what different roles there were, what would be a good fit, and how do I go about making it happen. So like any good millennial did, I found professionals in the industry and tweeted them, and I asked them if they would be willing to talk with me. And I was very, very fortunate that Scott Alley, editor-in-chief at Dark Horse at the time, and Jordan White, who is an editor at Marvel at the time, both agreed to talk with me and kind of explain what it is an editor does. I met Jordan at C2E2 in 2014, and we just had a a great conversation, hour-long conversation, and he really broke down the role of an editor. And I left that convention knowing this is it, this is what I want to do, you know, just blinders on full steam ahead. Exactly. As you said, Chris, I had graduated college an internship was just out of the question. I'm in Michigan. You know, I can't just pack up my bags and move to New York. You know, how do I, how do I prove I can do this? What can I do? And artists submit portfolios, uh, writers submit previous published written work. So for me, I was going to submit a resume of previously edited work and I had never edited comics before but I had created a lot of projects you know in theater and film I produced plays I produced film I produced radio shows like I can put together a team and thus was born unlawful good the crime anthology I put together that summer of 2014 we had about 50 different creators from I think like eight different countries all around the world together to do this crime anthology got funded on Kickstarter later that year in October at New York comic-con. I happened to run into Jordan again. He remembered me, we chatted. I said, Hey, look what I've done since the last time we spoke. He asked me if I would ever be willing to move to New York. I said, absolutely. Next month I had an interview. Two months later I had a job offer and was working at Marvel. Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You did the really smart thing. I would have never thought about uh, to be an editor. Oh, I'd put together something that I could show as a sample. Because most people think the artists do that, the writers do it, colors do it. That's a really interesting approach to it. And also at that stage, you had the advantage of you can go wherever you want. You don't have anything holding you back. And wisely, you took advantage of that.
1: Yeah. I've always kind of been the one to just go full steam ahead on things that I believe in, you know, it's, it's that gut feeling Mm -hmm. of just doing it and figuring out the rest later. And honestly, when I was doing the anthology, like, I never thought I would get an editing job out of it, let alone at one of the big two, I first started doing it just to see if I could do it, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, it was just, can I do this? Do I even like doing this? And throughout that process, as I was working on it, like something must have um, been going right and going well, because I had creators who were a part of the project email me outside of Unlawful Good and be like, will you edit this project for me? What are your rates? And all of a sudden I had to come up with rates. I don't know what editors rates are, you know, it just seemed to work. I'm not really one that believes in fate or destiny or any of that. But if I had a calling, I honestly would say it'd be editing comics.
0: And you also used Twitter as a tool to reach out and contact people. And that's a very good, positive use of Twitter. And you've also used it in another way that I thought was really interesting and a great idea is something that's called Signal Boost Sunday that you started doing. Now, what made you decide to do that?
1: Twitter has a lot to it. Some of it good, right? Some (laughs) of it good. uh, A lot of it good. Unfortunately, there's a lot of negativity on there, and Mm. there's unfortunately been a lot of negativity on there in the creative scene and fandoms and comics, especially. I've experienced, and a lot of my friends and coworkers have experienced. And, you know, a few years ago, it just like really bummed me out to see that. You know, this should be such a positive space and a positive community. And if there's one thing I've always been, you know, a huge advocate for, it's paying it forward. And, you know, a lot of people say, Heather, you did an unlawful good. And it's like, I didn't do it. Like I helped do it. I was team captain, but like I had an entire team behind me that I couldn't have made that possible. It just wouldn't have happened without them. And I wouldn't have gotten to Marvel had Jordan not talk to me about comics. And I wouldn't have done Unlawful Good had other creators not volunteered their time to help do it. And over the years, I had built this massive platform on Twitter. And if there's one small thing I can do to help someone else follow their dreams and make their dreams come true in a creative uh, industry, like, it's just a retweet, you know, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) it's the simplest thing. And so I used to do it every Sunday. It started to get very overwhelming for me to dedicate an entire, literally an entire day every week just staring at my Twitter. So I typically announce it the week before and I do it at least one Sunday every month. I try and keep it routine to the first Sunday of every month. It's just simple. You know, if you want me to retweet your platform, you have to retweet someone else's. And that's the only rule I ask is if you want me to boost you, you have to boost someone else in the community too. Because I think, you know, we need to get into this habit. We need to get into this habit of lifting each other up and boosting each other up instead of, you know, using the platform to tear each other down.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's a great idea. Before we get back to editing and some of the books that you're editing at Valiant, I want to ask you about a couple of things. Penguins. Why penguins? What's the fascination? Are they snappy dressers?
1: Why not? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) Who doesn't like penguins?
0: I don't have anything against them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of always been a thing. Truthfully, uh, when I really sat and thought about it, because I had another podcast ask me this a couple months ago, when I really sat and thought about it, it all stems back to I had a crush on a boy when I was 12 years old, and he liked penguins. And so I decided that I liked penguins, you know, in order to get in. And then he started dating my best friend. But by then I had just become, I actually genuinely like penguins.
0: (laughs) Okay. You didn't hate him after that.
1: (laughs) No, like I just genuinely love them. Nothing in this world makes me happier than penguins. Like I turn into a five-year-old when I'm around penguins. (laughs) It's honestly like Kristen Bell and sloth. If you've ever seen that video when Dax surprises her with a sloth, which is her favorite animal. Like I love penguins so much; they're the best.
0: You have the same reaction as someone does to puppies and kittens.
1: But it's penguins, like it's penguins. I. You know, like I love my dog, penguins. <laughs>
0: You also like tacos, and I bring that up because I am in an area that's a mecca for tacos. I mean, there are so many places you can get tacos.
1: You are, yes. <laughs> I love
0: it because I go out, I'm no joke, like two or three times a week, I want a taco. <laughs> it's, just, it's like lunch, you know? It's, like, it's one of the food groups now where mm-hmm. I am, and I can see why because you can put anything in there. You can put chicken. You can put beef. You can put seafood. Vegetables are in there. It's a complete meal.
1: Well, and you know, the shell doesn't have to be tortilla, like you can be creative with your shells. Like there's literally Ed Brisson just posted today, because I asked her question on Twitter, I was like, what's everyone's go to quarantine snack throughout this. And Ed Brisson was saying, every day since shelter and home, his entire family has had a different taco for dinner every single night. (laughs) And now I wish he had cataloged it so that Mm -hmm. he could have like a taco cookbook after this. Um, but he hasn't. And now I'm mad at him.
0: (laughs) Well, back to editing since your promotion. Now, how has your role changed as senior editor? Do you have more titles under your responsibility? Is that the difference or how does that work going from editor to senior editor?
1: So I have the same books that I was working on before any new titles that I accumulate our titles that basically I decide I want to do you know I decide I want to do that go through the approval process obviously like I, I'm not the end-all be-all that's that's our, our publisher uh, and marketing and you know the the entire team is is a part of approving projects but I have a great uh, analogy for this as an editor I was only in charge of the individual titles right? So like, you know, when I started a year or so ago, a year and a quarter ago, I went in and I was like, I'm going to do Quantum Woody, I want to do Shadow Man. I want to do Savage. These are the books I want to do. Not that I was looking at those books in a vacuum, you know, like it was important when Colin and I were developing Shadow Man to make sure it fit into the greater scheme of the Valiant Universe. But now as a senior editor, it's kind of like, Being head of a network rather than a showrunner in charge of the individual show. As a head of a network, I have to oversee how each individual show fits into the greater scheme of the network. I see. So it's a lot more overall world planning, universe sculpting, as well as digging my hand a little bit deeper into other aspects of the company, like different partnerships that we have with licensees and a little bit more of the boring
0: corporate stuff <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that no one wants to hear about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I find the whole concept of being an editor fascinating and I wanted to learn more about it and just tell the audience too on your website, are a series of articles that you wrote a while back, some years ago, about different kinds of editing that people may not be aware of. I bet you most people are not unless they're in the business. They just think an editor checks for spelling and continuity maybe, but you broke it down into four parts. I'm not going to ask you to go through it all because you've written about it, but I'm just telling people that this is out there. It talks about developmental, line, copy, and proofreading kinds of editing. And you explain beautifully how they're all different and they all serve a different purpose. And so I urge people to go to your website Check it out and read those articles. They're not a long read, but they're really informative. And whether you are a comic book writer, artist, or you're just someone that likes to read comics and you want to understand more about it and how the editor fits in, you should go to Heather's site and read those articles.
1: thanks. I've been meaning to go back and do like an updated version of them because I wrote those, you know, when I was still breaking in. But mm-hmm. I think to the casual fan, you know, a lot of people think of editors as, oh, you just proofread. That's a very, very frustrating misconception <laughs> for us editors. Nothing against proofreaders. They're fantastic. And oh, my God, like, I don't know what I would do without my copy editors and proofreading team because they're so fantastic. And like the questions they'll ask is just amazing. But, you know, proofreading and editing are two very different things. I mean, kind of like your general practitioner and your dentist, they're both doctors, but Mm -hmm. they do two entirely different things that serve the greater function of
0: the human body. A couple of things you wrote about that I do want to have you speak a bit on. I can identify with this because I've seen this done well and not done well. And Mm -hmm. it's two things that when people are making comics, they have to think about that you do look for is writing for the page turn. Mm -hmm. And then also using splash pages and spreads wisely, not just like throwing them everywhere. And I've seen books, timing is just perfect. Where that turn that page is a, wow, there's a reveal. It wasn't just thrown in there somewhere. And that's something that as an editor, you would work on too, is the flow of the book and how the panels tell the stories, those reveals, or there's not too much space taken up by splash pages. Tell me a bit about that, and do you have any good examples of that? I won't ask for bad ones, because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, embarrass anyone. You know, it's, it's between them and their boss. But good ones, tell me about that.
1: The book that I always push as this is a master class in visual storytelling is Chris Somney's and Mark Wade's Black Widow number one. It came out, I think, in twenty seventeen. I'll have to double check. But Mark Wade and Chris is Black Widow number one. Chris Somney understands visual storytelling unlike uh, most artists out there. There's great artists, but That is an issue that you can go back, really study and see how he was setting stuff up pages before to be paid off in an insanely intelligent way. But there's one one rule of thumb, I'll say, because this is good for a podcast without when we don't have visuals, right? (laughs) When when our listeners don't have visuals to go (laughs) along with. So one of the things that you do while you're preparing a book for production is you have to place ads in the book. And unfortunately, when you're writing a comic, when it comes to page layout, I typically say write for the collection. Don't write the story for the collection, but write the page turn for the collection, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because that's a forever. Mm -hmm. That's how it's going to be collected forever and how most people will remember it. And so you always want to, if you can, end the right page. So typically that's your odd number page with an action. So someone's reaching for a doorknob because then you have to turn the page. Mm -hmm. Someone's about to throw a punch. So then you want to see what happens next. And it just means, oh, damn, I can't take a break. I have to finish reading this whole thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They got you hooked in.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and that's a good comic. That's a good comic. There's no place to set it down because it keeps moving. It's like those opening scenes in James Bond that are 20-minute chase scenes that, you know, after it finishes, you realize you've been hyperventilating and you need to breathe. (laughs)
0: I'm really enjoying learning about this. and That's a great example. I don't think I've read that, so I'm going to have to get myself a copy of Black Widow Number 1 and take a look at that. I've read Mark's work. I've read Chris's work, but that one I didn't get to, and I'll, I'll have to go find a copy.
1: Their collaborations together. They did a great run on Daredevil. Oh, yeah. They did a great run on Captain America, mm-hmm. um, but their run on Black Widow is my favorite hands down. Hands down.
0: Well, there's a recommendation for you folks, and there's one for me, so add it to the pile. <laughs> Now, speaking of editing, who are you working with closely now?
1: These days, I'm working very, very closely with Colin Bunn and John Davis Hunt on Shadow Man at Valiant, which is a dream, dream, dream come true project for me. And as well as the other big book that I'm working on right now is the brand new Exo Man of War number one, which came out in comic shops I think the last week that comic shops were getting new comics during all of this yeah Um, Mm -hmm. go out with a bang (laughs) 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 Um, and that's with Dennis Hoveless, Amelia Laiso, Ruth Redman and Hassan Atsvein Alhu you know one of the most refreshing things for me personally in my transition from Marvel to Valiant is getting to touch on so many different corners of the universe all at the same time when I was at Marvel, you know, I worked primarily in the Star Wars universe and then a bunch of Deadpool comics, you know, the ongoings and all the miniseries. And they were great. I loved them. I loved my experience at Marvel, but it can get a bit not creatively stifling, but like Deadpool, especially, you're stuck in a genre, kind of how it feels, and and that, I think that's the thing with Star Wars. Yes, we can dabble into horror. Yes, we can dabble a little more into like comedy here and there, but like it's still space western, right? At the end of the day, it's still space western. It's still this world, and Valiant, Quantum and Woody, and Shadow Man, and Exo Manowar are all completely opposite books. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. They're so different and it's just a lot of fun. It's so much fun to get to go from working this odd couple comedy duo, dysfunctional family to classic modern superhero stories to really dark horror. And it's just fun. It's great. And, you know, I'm lucky to get to work with some of the best creators in this industry and, Every time I go to Fred Pierce our publisher or Matthew Klein, you know, our VP of sales and marketing, and I say like, all right, so I have this crazy idea. <laughs> We've never done anything like it before. What do you think? And they go for it. You know, like that's how we got the Livewire fashion variant covers that we did last year was I wanted to kind of explore media representation, how it changes celebrities based on kind of the brand, um, and how that would affect superheroes. And you know, they turned out great. And that's kind of like what we're doing with Shadow Man right now with the new series that's coming out later this year, was originally supposed to be May, but given the state of things is going to be coming out a little later. But Shadow Man, one of the first questions I asked when I came in to the company was, how come he doesn't have shadow abilities? And we have a character called Shadow Man, for lack of better phrasing, literally jumps back and forth between hell and earth and fights demons. But it's never really been a straight up horror book. Why? And they're like, you know, that's a good question. And so I reached out to good buddy Colin Bunn. We've been working together for years now at this point, And he's master of horror. And I was just like, all right, Colin, here's this character do you. I'm not giving you any boundaries. This is your status quo. This is where we start. Take it full Monty as hard as you can go. And that's what we're doing. And it's it's a dream book of mine. And it's so much fun. And I'm really, really pissed off that this all happened. Y'all can't see it like when it was supposed to come. But on the other hand, like it is a 100 million percent worth the wait. John Davis Hunt is, I think, One of the most underrated artists in comics, especially when it comes to horror. If you haven't read The Clean Room, a Vertigo series he did with Gail Simone in 2016, I highly, highly, highly suggest checking it out. It is some of the most gruesome, terrifying horror psychologically throws you. It's so good. He's so, so good. And for someone who draws such messed up stuff, he's a delightful human being.
0: I'm really excited read the book because I've been a Valiant fan since 1992. And I've said it on the show before, I still have my Shadow Man t-shirt from 1992. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah. I didn't wear it a lot. It's still good, pretty good shape. In fact, I was at a con and I was walking past the Valiant booth and somebody working there said, thanks for wearing the colors and gave me like Harbinger number one gold or something. So uh, like, thanks, man. But Colin bunny has been on the show a couple of times and he is a master of horror for sure. And I'm really looking forward to his take on this. I read that you once said that Valiant lets you break tradition and this is how you're doing it. This is going to be a different kind of Shadow Man. It's going to actually get into the horror. I love horror and I love mysteries, and to combine two different genres together it excites me even more.
1: Well, that's awesome. I mean, like, that's why we're doing it. Not that there's anything wrong with the more street level vigilante supernatural that the previous Shadow Man series have been. They're great. I love them. But I think there's something really powerful in the storytelling genre of horror, especially how it kind of leans into the shadow man legacy of man versus monster and we're really really exploring that with colin and john's work and i can't wait i can't wait i just i can't wait
0: (laughs) now i think colin first discovered the character through the video games when did you first discover shadow man
1: i unfortunately couldn't read in 1992
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I didn't catch wind of Valiant until the company came back together in 2012 era. So that was, I think, Justin Jordan. Yeah, that was Justin Jordan's run then. And I remember being at, I think it was c 2 u 2 again, because that was the closest big show to me, where I was just wandering the floor and stopped by the Valiant booth. And, you know, people asked what comics I like, and I told them I really like horror I'm a huge Vertigo fan, and they handed me Shadow Man Volume 1, and they're like, here, check this out. And that was the first time I discovered Shadow Man. And the concept is just fascinating. The Voodoo legacy and the Loa, and when I started at Valiant a year ago, the offices have all the complete collections, and so I walked in, and the first thing I did was read the original 90s run of Shadow Man. (laughs) Which is very different, but it's it a lot of fun. It is very different. <laughs> I just love the first. It always brings a smile to my face because it's classic 90s comics where the first page is just a bizarre splash page. And it's just Jack Boniface with his ponytail on a stage playing the saxophone. And in big bold letters, it's just jazz. <laughs>
0: I actually have a page from that original run. I can't remember the issue number because I don't have a hanging up right now. I have it tucked away in a portfolio. But it's one of the issues, and you've, since you've read them all, he's actually jumping on top of someone. I think that might be the first page of the book. And he's coming down between two buildings with his arms out. And he's going to jump in the oh, sky. Oh, yay!
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Bob Hall did the art, yeah. So I have that piece.
1: Oh, that's super cool.
0: It is, it's so cool for a first page. It looks like a cover.
1: That's nineties. That's that's yeah. classic nineties comics. A lot of those books started with a splash page.
0: Yeah, that was a great series, and I've loved the new one too, and I have all those. I know like you said, Justin Jordan's been working on it and Peter Milligan was on it, and Al Cullen. I can't wait. And that's just one. The other one I really like too is Exo Man War, and I've read that since day one. And like you said, you have Dennis Hallam on there now writing the book. And I read the first issue. And I'm telling you, this is the best effect a book can have on me is when I'm actually smiling and laughing at the stuff I'm reading. The dialogue between Eric and his armor, Shanara, the little back and forth they're always doing. Yeah. That I mean, it actually makes me smile and laugh at some of the jokes. And I'm sure you can probably guess which ones they are. I don't want to give them away. But <laughs> something that I'm actually involved in, I made a joke about. And I thought that was really funny. But it was great. I mean, just the way he writes the character. It really, I mean, it's, I haven't enjoyed it that much in a long time. Not that the other ones were bad, but that one really just pulled me right in. I got to wait now.
1: (laughs) No, I know. I know. I'm so sorry. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I won't lie. I was super, super nervous being handed XO. Like literally, I think it was my second week at Valiant. Mm. You know, this was the one book that was given to me. Was XO Manowar in the relaunch after Matt Kent's 26 issue run, mm-hmm. and it was intimidating. Week two at a new publisher, and like here's our flagship character. Good luck, have fun. Uh, <laughs> and I love superheroes, but you know I'll be the first to admit, classic superhero isn't really my, what I would say my forte is. Mm -hmm. I'm more the street level or genre heavy type of stories where my strengths lie. And I really, really buckled down and read through the backlog and tried to get an understanding of, you know, where this character has been and his history. And because there is quite a legacy with Eric. Fifth century Visigoth warrior abducted by aliens and now has this suit of armor. And it's just like, it's crazy. It's literally... (laughs) Beyond comprehension. Honestly, it made me think of this great comic called Translucid by Claudio Sanchez and Daniel Bayliss. It came out at Boom years ago, and no one read it but me, I think. But it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I highly recommend it. It's a joke that we have in the industry is everyone has a Batman pitch, right? And reading this book, which kind of explores the relationship between a superhero and supervillain, the next time I ran into Claudio at a show, I asked him, I was like, all right, dude, was this your Batman pitch? And he goes, Yeah. He's a member of the band Coating Cambria, and they did a song for one of the Arkham video games, which inspired the story. And he said to me, He's like, It's a very lonely thing being Batman. He can't really be his true self to anyone. He said, The more I thought about it, no one knows him better than the Joker. Yes, they are mortal enemies. But they also have this kinship and there's a certain level of intimacy because they truly understand one another because they've only been through these experiences together. And so there's kind of like this cat and mouse of keeping each other alive because if one of them eventually does end the other one, then it's over. And that's scary. And that had me thinking about Shannara and Eric And throughout this entire series of Exo, you know, we've explored Eric as a Visigoth in the Roman times. We've explored Eric as a Visigoth in the modern times. We've explored Eric as a king. We've explored him as a warrior. We've explored him as an alien king. You know, we've explored him in all these different ways, but we've never explored his relationship with the one person who has been through all the crazy with him. And that's Shannara. And there's something really, really beautiful about that. And also something really sad about that. So it had me thinking about who do I know that writes great relationships, great friendships. And it made me think of Dennis Hallam, of his run on Spider Woman that he did in 2016. And the relationship he wrote between Carol Danvers and Jessica Drew is the most real, authentic friendship I've ever read in comics You know, you see them fight, you see them mad at each other and you like and it's genuine. It's like genuine anger. Mm -hmm. But it's beautiful. It's, It's a beautiful, beautiful story of friendship. So I asked him if he'd be interested in XO and he said yes. And we really worked out what I think is a great story, kind of really exploring Ark and Shannara's relationship.
0: I did with his uh, Spider Woman, and I did love that. And you've brought EXO down to a street level in a way, you know, because there's a relationship like you talked about, not only with uh, Shanara, but also with the people around him. Shanara's helping him learn how to be nice and acknowledge when people do. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't quite understand how to interact with people take a compliment or you know so he's kind of helping walk him through that and be more down to earth so to speak
1: for sure for sure for sure well it's a thing like even though she's an alien she has high-speed internet access (laughs) (laughs) and he has no interest in that and so there's a fun little juxtaposition there Um, even though she's an alien she's more human than he is in some ways and so there's a lot to explore there, and we're having a lot of fun. And as I said, can't wait till it comes back. Emilio Liso, I have to give props to you on art. We first worked together on Star Wars. He did a numerous amount of Star Wars books with me back in the Marvel days, and he's such a strong artist. And he's really pulling out all the stops with EXO. It's a lot, a lot of fun to see, you know, what the entire team is is bringing together. And again, I just, I can't. I can't wait till y'all see what comes next. (laughs) You know, I will say, I think we lured people into a feeling of comfortability with issue one before things take a bit of a dark turn in issue
0: two. All right.
1: I'll tease.
0: I hope the team stays on the book for a long time. Same for Shadow Man. Hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have a better idea of when the books will be coming out again.
1: Yeah, no, they should definitely, definitely this year. I'm not the federal government, so I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't say, stay inside, stop spreading germs, Uh, wash your hands, (laughs) so we can get our comics sooner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time to kick back with the creator, or ask my guests just fun questions about you to learn more about you as a person. So Heather, what do you like to do for recreation?
1: I love to watch documentaries. I'm a huge, huge, huge true crime addict. My apartment is scattered with pop culture things and then serial killer things (laughs) Um, and penguins. And that's me in a nutshell. Penguins, pop culture, murder, and ice cream. (laughs) That's me.
0: (laughs) What was your favorite birthday?
1: Oh, goodness! Uh, not this one. Uh, <laughs>
0: was it recently? yeah, yeah, oh.
1: my thirtieth birthday, birthday was April fourth oh. um, and it was lovely. you know, I won't you know props to my boyfriend, he did a good job, but not how I had planned on spending my thirtieth birthday. <laughs> I will say my favorite birthday was probably last year. Tyler, my boyfriend, did very good. He surprised me with an in person penguin encounter. So he took me down to Philly, to the aquarium there, and I got to go in a back room and play with two penguins for an hour, and it was great. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So he didn't give you stuff. He gave you an experience.
1: I'm an experienced person. I don't like clutter. Clutter stresses me out.
0: (laughs) My wife's the same way. Doesn't want clutter. Doesn't want knickknacks. That's nice. She wants something more from the heart, something that's-
1: I want a memory. A
0: memory. There you go. Next question, what posters or pictures did you have on your bedroom wall growing up? Say like tweenage years, 12 to 14.
1: I had a lot of band posters. The Killers was one I was really into, my chemical romance. But my favorite part of my bedroom, and it's still there, was I wanted to draw a mural on my wall and my parents said no. So they took all my like markers and arts and crafts stuff out of my bedroom and it wasn't allowed to be there. Um, so I said that's fine um, and used nail polish mm. and started painting on the walls with nail polish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I bet you they were thrilled.
1: Oh, they love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what did you paint?
1: Just designs, just colors with designs, like kind of like a kaleidoscope type thing. Not really. Yeah, definitely more abstract than anything concrete, but – Um, It was more so my, I'll show you. You tell me I can't do something.
0: (laughs) Now, this is a hypothetical situation. It's the old Desert Island book. You're stuck on the island. You want a book for pleasure to read now, not for survival, just for fun. What would you take with you? Comic, trade, book, whatever you want. It can be a collection.
1: Then I would say the entire Sandman run. All right. Neil Gaiman. That's a go-to. I can go back and reread that time and time and time again. Um, you know, that's a series that really got me into comics, it has my favorite issue of all time. It's a near and dear series to my heart, for sure.
0: One more hypothetical. Valiant's going to make an action figure of you. What would be your accessory? A penguin. Of course. That one, <laughs> I should have known that. I'm glad I'm not asking I, your favorite food because I know that too.
1: Yeah. A penguin. Uh, well, I, I will say, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, the penguin backpack in Gwenpool is not an accident. And (laughs) when I will tell you, so I went to star Wars celebration in 2016 and got to meet some of the actors and be in a room when everyone saw the trailer for rogue one live for the first time, which is an experience all of itself. I got to have just an experience of a lifetime And when everyone asked me, like, well, what was your favorite thing? And it was, oh, well, it was when I had dinner with John Tyler Christopher, who showed me the mold for the Gwenpool action figure from Marvel. And I cried. Like, (laughs) because the penguin backpack made the cut. Ah. (laughs) Nothing to do with Star Wars, Uh, but the penguin backpack.
0: (laughs) Now, back to reality. What is your beverage of choice?
1: These days... I've been really obsessed with a seltzer water called Sparkling Ice, and they just have a bunch of different flavor options, and they have a cherry lime option that is very good. I'm boring. I drink a lot of water.
0: (laughs) Out where I am, they have uh, convenience stores where they have the soda machines. I try not to drink a lot of soda. It's usually diet soda, sugar-free. Don't eat all that sugar. And you can mix flavors like they have lime and cherry and all these different combinations and I look forward to that when I go out. Oh, those were the days when I could go out and get soda. And uh, one day I walked in and it said out of order and I was like, out of order? And I was was just crushed. I was like, but I wanted one so bad.
1: (laughs) Back at Marvel, there was, they're in a new building now so I don't know if it's still there but they had like a Coke machine where you could get a 20 ounce for a buck. And there was one Coke Zero button that every once in a while would give out two.
0: Ooh.
1: And so it was, when's my lucky day? When's my lucky day? When's my lucky day? <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget. There was one day where I put in a dollar and I got three out. And it was just, <laughs> I want the jackpot quick now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're in Vegas.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Last question for you. What was the one that got away? And by that, I mean, it could be like a project that you wanted to do and it just, oh man, it just didn't work out. Timing, what have you. Or it could be for people that like to read comics, it could be a comic book you wanted to buy and ah, oh, I should have bought that, but I didn't. What's the one that got away for you?
1: Even though I had nothing to do with it, I was only an assistant at the time and wasn't really part of these negotiations. I don't even know if I sh- I'm allowed to say it, but whatever, I'm going to. Back when I was at Marvel, in the early days of Star Wars, we almost, almost, almost got Tom King writing a Rogue One tie-in with Cassian, like, war story. Negotiations were taking too long, and it was, like, right when he signed his contract with DC. Mm. Um, So we didn't get it. And... It's just one of those where it's just I love Tom like Tom and I have a great relationship but we've never got to work together mm-hmm. and so long as he's DC exclusive like it's not going to happen yeah. and like to get to work with him and like a Star Wars book and Star Wars book that's so well fitting. It's just it's always been the one that like oh man that is the one book that I wish I got to do at Marvel that I didn't get to.
0: You and a lot of other people now.
1: I know, (laughs) I know. I don't don't think I've ever talked about that before. I
0: can see why that one would definitely break your heart. That is so close. Just the timing, yeah. Wow. Well, Heather, it's been a great conversation with you, learning so much about editing and what Valiant has coming up. And it has me even more excited. I knew this was going to be a good conversation, but I had no idea it'd be this good. Thanks for stopping for a bit and chatting with us.
1: For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to do podcasts and talk with fans. And we do this for you guys, you know, at the end of the day, like the comics are for you and it's just a fun community.
0: That was a fun conversation with Heather Antos, and stay on the lookout for Shadow Man and the return of Exo with issue number two. And just a reminder that this podcast is completely free, and you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and Amazon voice-enabled devices. And again, if you like what you heard, it goes a long way to helping the show to leave a rating along with the written review on Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, just open the podcast on your iPhone or iPad, scroll down, and you will see where you can leave that rating and review. It is that simple. And of course, tell a friend who's into comics and comic book creators about the show. That is probably the number one way to get this to spread, and grow the audience. Yeah, it's been tough with the comic stores having to be closed, new books not shipping, but I found a way to get through it all, not only going through my stack of comic books that I have piling up, oh no, I gotta add to the pile, so I've been going about buying Silver Age and Bronze Age comics, mostly Bronze Age, through my local comic shop's eBay website. So I'm able to have a new comic book day to me, even though they're not really new. And you can see those books eventually on my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts at Creator Talks Pod. that's at Creator Talks Pod. If you wish to reach me directly, you can also email me at creatortalks at gmail.com. That's creatortalks at gmail.com. And by the way, I do have more interviews coming your way. I don't want to say who yet. I want to make these more of a surprise rather than announcing them ahead of time, believe me. I'm still working on bringing you interviews with writers and artists, colorists, editors, publishers, those both new and those who are veterans in the business. So you'll find me here at this feed every two weeks with a new interview. While well, I hope we're all hanging in there, being good to one another, not going too crazy, working from home, or trying to find work now since so many things have changed and people being out of work. Believe me, I feel your pain. I've been there. Stay strong. This will be over eventually. If you need a break, dig out some comics and escape from it all. For Career Talks, this has been your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time.